You're listening to Blackpool Church Podcast. Join us for our Sunday gatherings to make friends, explore faith and encounter God. Visit our website, blackpool.church. This is the Talk Archive. Well, Andy, thank you so much for the welcome. Um, It's actually beyond moving being here, really, especially it's the first time I've seen you in your new configuration. Um, I know. And I remember um, praying there in um, 2019 when it was, um, those of you who are part of the the church then, it was all kind kind of set aside, wasn't it, quite mucky? And we had this, we celebrated communion because, you know, I do believe there's the power of the blood of Jesus. And as we finished, it was like this really ancient tree and the roots broke, that was rotten and the roots broke. And um, there was like the rising tide of kind of living water and new shoots were growing. So it's, it's actually beyond moving for me to come back uh, today. It's been like a, hop, a time hop, so thank you. So we're going to be looking at Acts 2 today, which is... Um, what happens on the day of Pentecost, which is one of my favourite festivals. So um, do I just read it? Is that, is that the thing? And so if you've got a Bible, you might want to find it. It's Acts 2. And I'm going to read from um, verses 1 to 21. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one of them heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all those who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it each of us hears them in our own language? And I'm going to have to say quite a lot of difficult words now. These are towns around the Mediterranean that covered kind of the known world. So here we go. Um, Utterly, um, they were Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own languages. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. Now, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. And I will show wonders in the heavens above 
and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you come, Holy Spirit? from heaven where the ordinary is made glorious and glory is but ordinary. And would you open our eyes to see the wonderful truths in your word. And would you bathe us with the brilliance of your light, like you. Amen. So I have one word for today. I'm going to unpack it so you don't feel shortchanged in different ways. But the word is all. All, even just three letters are easy, isn't it? All. My word is for you is all. Okay. All. So I'm going to um, unpack that in three different ways and let's see. But um, I'm from Bolton originally. I used to come to Blackpool for my days off and... um, when my sons were younger, we used to love the Blackpool Sandcastle. Now, I don't, I'm, I'm imagine living in Blackpool, you've hardly ever been to the Sandcastle. Has anyone been to the Sandcastle recently? Oh, we have. Oh, brilliant. Some lads. Well, I didn't, I've not been for about five or six years, but the, in the Sandcastle, there's this bit where there's, um, I don't know if it's a pirate ship or a, a, a big bucket thing that gradually fills with water and it dribbles, 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 and then it, then it suddenly gets too much water and it does a big tip, doesn't it? And it splooshes everywhere. Do you remember, is that still there? That's my experience of Blackpool um, Sandcastle. So um, that's the image I've got for you today, is that on the day of Pentecost, um, there've been drib- in the past there have been dribbles of the Holy Spirit. Certain people at certain times um, were kind of uh, given God's Spirit. But on the day of Pentecost, the bucket became so full, it splashed out. Um, Jesus sent his spirit on everybody so that was, everybody was completely soaked. Everybody was completely soaked. So as you're here this morning, I want you to kind of know that this is for all. This is what Peter said. He said, in the last days, I, God says, I will pour my spirit on all people, sons and daughters, young and old, so even servants, both men and women. So I, I want to kind of just assure you this is for all people. God sends his spirits, the spirit of Jesus, the spirit who, who enables us to know Jesus in our hearts, close with us, um, ever so tender. He is a gift for all of us. So he's a gift for all of us. And the beautiful thing is that he opens our eyes to see the, um, the truths in the Bible. He also gives us visions and dreams. And I wanted to share with you um, quite a profound vision I had. I've not had many visions, actually, over the time. Um, but I had a vision um, that kind of woke me up in the night. This was in 2017. And it was a vision of a wave scouring the country, scouring people from the underground, literally, and um, excavating them and uh, this whole army landing on the beach, kind of a beach that I imagine being like Blackpool, actually, at the time. And um, this underground army were all the different people who'd been trapped underground by the sin of the church. Let me just say a bit more about that. 
Because I think when we have a vision, um, I always think it needs to sort of tie into scripture. And I said, Lord, what is, this is very powerful vision, but what is it connected with? And he led me to Isaiah 61, which some of you may know, but this is Jesus' manifesto when he was, um, when he started his ministry. And um, he spoke about the, the work of the Spirit in him, which is what we're following here, really. Just let me just read those verses to you as well. Beginning of Isaiah 61. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to bind at the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners. Um, and it goes on. Um, and it's, it'll be they who will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Who is the they in this passage? It's the poor, the brokenhearted, the captives, the prisoners, those who are mourning, those who are um, in ashes. And so I just wonder whether some of you this morning would count yourselves in those categories. Some of you this morning, I think, are his underground army, literally trapped underground. And the movement of his spirit, he always turns our lives upside down. He turns the, um, the scales upside down. And my prayer for you is that it's actually a wave will sweep Blackpool um, and excavate people from underground, people whose who've gifts have been trapped, not knowing that you've got, in, almost in your own brokenness, the very channels that make room for the Spirit of God to use you in in his mission to the world. Um, so I, I wonder whether that's, you know, as, as, I was, as I drove into the car park today, I couldn't believe it. I forgot there's a big wave outside your church, isn't there? Like, <laughs> I don't think that's a coincidence, is it? Um, and this, this vision for seeing like an underground army um, kind of released in our nation um, is something that's kind of taken... Uh, well, it's kind of taken pace, really. So when I had first this vision, I happened to be at a meeting with somebody from HDB. Within two weeks, the um, story was on the Archbishop of Canterbury's desk. Um, last, earlier this month, actually, I was speaking in front of 5,000 people about it at the Royal Albert Hall for the Leadership Conference. I got an email from somebody in France yesterday um, about this same sense that God wants to renew our nation restore the places that have been long devastated and broken down. And who's he choosing for that? Who's in the first place? It's the poor, the brokenhearted, the prisoners, the captives. And that, I don't know, that, that may or may not be today, but my pr- as we were worshipping, um, thank you, it's beautiful to come to a church where you're praying from an hour before the service um, and worshipping like this. My image was actually that there's a tide almost is gently rising these chains, you know how you have chains on boats, don't you, that stop them floating away? But the chains are being lifted into the tide, but the links between the chains weren't tight at all. And actually by the water level of the spirit rising in our, sit, in our town, in our lives, that actually chains were not just being, not really being, being broken, but just detaching themselves. And that's, that's one of my prayers for you today. And I, I, it's beautiful that you've got I think one of the first 24-7 prayer rooms in, 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 the, in the Diocese of Blackburn here. I think we've had other goes at different places. So 
that is like your engine room for some of this, really. And so it's deeply, deeply moving to be here. I, I can't, you know, I'm almost in tears. I can't almost speak with him. Uh, yeah, he does more than we can ask imagine. So, so maybe as, as you come here on this special day when we remember the work of the Spirit um, and we're asking for him again, maybe today's the day when you are caught up in his wave. Maybe today's the day when he'll excavate you from the underground. And maybe today's the day when he, you'll realise that you're one of his key crack troops on the beach that he needs for the renewal of our nation. And sometimes the more fissures we have in our life, by which I mean the more brokenness in our lives, the more room we have for the work of the Spirit of God. He, he does things upside down. So... This, so the spirit was for all, and including all people. And then, but to reach, my second point is to reach all people. Why is the spirit given? Why is this amazing things about fire and wind and all sorts of things? These are both images of when fire is used as an image through scripture of that turns hearts of people back again. See it from Abraham, Elijah, John the Baptist. It's a, it's a real theme through scripture. Um, that the reason for God sending fire was to turn hearts back again. And what happens on that first day of Pentecost, when the Spirit is given, people can hear the gospel in a language they can understand. People can hear about Jesus in a language they can understand. Let me just tell you two stories to illustrate that. Because that's the purpose of the Spirit, isn't he? So I'm from Bolton originally. I think some of you all heard this story before. Um, not from a family that came to, uh, were to do with anything to do with church. But I was sent to my local church of England primary school. And when I was four, I saw pictures of Jesus on the walls and I started to dream about him. And he was inviting me to be part of this rescue. Um, and when you're four, you don't normally get asked to be part of a rescue, do you? And so I felt quite honoured by that. Then when I was um, in year three, maybe some of you were in year three today, no? I think maybe out at your kids' work, but... Um, um, I was given a Bible, I started reading about Jesus and just the stories about him, um, my heart like burst for him, he sounded such an amazing person. And then when I was in year um, six, at the end of primary school, I went on this activity holiday and my, it's my first time away from home for a week and my, my leader said to me, have you ever heard of the Holy Spirit? I thought, no, not really, I've heard of God the Father, I've heard of Jesus, but I've never heard of the Holy Spirit. And she said, don't just... Um, read the Bible like it's a normal book. Ask the Holy Spirit to open your eyes. And I did that. And it was literally like Jesus walked off the page of the Bible and into my life like a real and living person. Maybe that's something for you today. That you've heard great stuff about Jesus, but actually do you know that the Holy Spirit, he can, he can enable him to walk off the page of the Bible into your life like a real and living person. And I remember going to meet my mum at Manchester Piccadilly Station. It was my first time away from home for a whole week. And I bounded up to her and I said, Mum, Mum, I've given my life to Jesus. And she was completely horrified. <laughs> I heard things in a language I couldn't understand with visions and the Bible. But for my mum, that was completely terrifying. You've given your life to Jesus. That's complete gobbledygook, isn't it? What? That, that sounds like brainwashing. And so she really thought I'd been brainwashed by the Church of England. And for my mum, that continued all my adult life, actually. But just to finish my mum's story, um, she, I went to see her um, 
this was yeah, 10 years ago, and she was in a hospice in Manchester because she got cancer. And when I got there, she said, you've got to come along the corridor with me to the chapel. And I thought, that's a really funny thing for mum to say. So I went with her to the chapel, and um, she said, I was here last night, and I was asking God to make my back better, because she got bad, a bad back with the cancer. And she said this, it was like Jesus was here, and he was telling me it's going to be okay. She said, that's what you've been trying to tell me all these years, isn't it? And I don't know what happened to that night, but I do know we came from a family of warriors. If we could worry about something, we'd worry about it. And she approached her death four months later on Easter Day with an incredible sense of peace. So if my mum, um, hearing the gospel in her own language, was hearing, was actually just meeting Jesus and encountering some of his peace, that one day it's going to be okay. And maybe for some of you today, you're in quite a lot of turmoil. Maybe life is really challenging. Maybe it feels like you're in caught up in that wave, almost turned upside down, like a massive giant washing machine and everything's been turned upside down. Maybe you're living with high levels of fear today. And maybe you need Jesus by his spirit to come and say, so that you know one day it's going to all be okay. Because that's what's going to happen at the end of the Bible. It says that one day there's going to be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. The old order of things have passed away. That is 100% guaranteed, even, we, even though we can't imagine it. That is what he promises. So that's, um, that's one of my stories about, um, so everybody can hear the gospel. Another story um, is from quite a long time ago, actually, in the 7th century, so um, over, th- well, a thousand and a half years ago, in the north of Britain, you might not know this, but there was an incredible flowering of mission. In one generation, there was kind of like a waking up across the north. And um, some key people in it, Aidan and Hilda, um, brought um, the gospel. It's a whole other story. But Hilda, who was one of my heroines, she um, set up this um, monastery in Whitby. And um, the story goes like this, that uh, there was a a cattle herder in the monastery. And he was very tongue-tied couldn't get his words out but one night he falls asleep and he hears this heavenly song and in the morning he not only hears it but he can sing it and he tells his boss and his boss tells Hilda and Hilda gets him to sing it at the feast and people are amazed not only because this is tongue-tied guy singing but that he can sing they're hearing the gospel in the local Anglo-Saxon language for the first time and my experience is I keep spotting cademans everywhere um, people who are a little bit tongue-tied, and then it feels like the Spirit gets hold of them, and suddenly they can speak the gospel in ways that other people can understand from their own background. I used to, my parish before here was in Widnes, in just um, east of Liverpool, and we run this, ran this group called Sofa, um, where we'd, um, it was like a congregation, and we share our stories on the sofa, because everybody's got an amazing stories, haven't they? And uh, when I went back a few years later to see the person who was leading it, um, she, began, she was called Anne just from around the corner. And she said, right, I want you to fill your boots with God. That's what we're doing tonight. I'm going to fill our boots with God. And uh, that's a really scarce expression, isn't it? I, I just started it by saying, well, let's, um, let's centre ourselves in the presence of the Lord. <laughs> and actually, it, in a, she reached people in witness in a way that I could never do. So maybe this is something for you today, this Pentecost. I wonder whether he's going to be unbinding tongues so that people 
in your own neighbourhood, in your own workplace, in the places where you, in school, um, can hear the gospel in a language they can understand. That's the work of the Spirit today. And then the last point, really, so the Spirit, he's for all, and he calls out all people, he sends us to all people, but he tends to do this not with a megaphone, with a microphone on a big stage, even in in a brilliant church. He tends to do this with a gentle whisper in unlikely places, okay? So it's great to be, I know Andy gave me my glorious CV. I've got a CV of gloriousness, which is unfortunate because actually the more glorious your CV is, the less room there is for the work of God in your life. My CV puffs up my ego so I can manage my way through situations. But actually, if your ego is quite broken, and that's been my experience um, when I go around the diocese where I see a lot of the life is in our unlikely areas, and that allows more room. But here we are. He often doesn't do things with a megaphone on a stage. He does it by a gentle whisper. Let me just tell you a story from Thursday last week, okay? So I was on the way to a um, a not very nice meeting in London. Sometimes as a bishop, you have to go to not very nice meetings, and you get up in the morning and your heart slightly sinks, thinking, oh no, but never mind, I've got to do this. And um, slightly randomly on the station, I met a friend of mine, she's bishop in Doncaster, and uh, we, it was, that, that cheered me up, um, and we travelled down to London together. When we got off the train in London, this woman rushed up to her and said, oh, you're the lady that was in my shop yesterday, you left your card behind. And so Sophie looks in her wallet, and she discovers her card is missing, and this woman who owns the shop um, it uh, finds her on the platform at Euston Station. So we're all like, we're thinking like, what are the chances of this? Okay, so um, she's on the way to this flower show or something. So we, we have this selfie together and, uh, and she finds, so I say, well, I'm, I'm going to be back there um, um, uh, tomorrow. So yes, so that was Friday. I'll, I'll pick up Sophie's card for her. I gave her my card and she realised I was a bishop and that Sophie was a bishop. So we had these selfies together and we thought, thought, what a coincidence. It doesn't stop there. About five minutes later, Sophie and I were in the loose, and this woman finds us again. And she says, you can't believe it. I put your photo on our WhatsApp group, on our like, work WhatsApp group. It's gone mad because they couldn't believe you were both bishops. Um, we're doing this ladies' event next Saturday. Would you like to come and be models for us? No one has ever, 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 ever asked me to be a model, <laughs> ever in my whole life. And it was such a beautiful gift of God. I'm going to this miserable meeting. Um, and yet, someone's asked me to be a model. With all, and so, so me and Sophie bounced into this bishop's meeting full of joy. We, we, we were telling everybody this story. It was so amazing. Because it was just that beautiful coincidences. And for me, that is the work of the Spirit. He doesn't tend to do things always on big scales. He does lots of little coincidental conversations. Um, with people in, in places out of the way. And I think that is how we'll see transformation in our nation. In the prayer meeting before, uh, uh, someone who'd been praying for me said, I want, yeah, sorry, I've forgotten your name in the front row. Georgie, it's going to embarrass you briefly. Um, you said you're praying for more. So I'm gonna, what I'm going to do, I'm going to step out with my big more, right? Okay, and I'm going to blame you for the more. Because this is what I, re- I am really praying for you, 
for Lancashire, for our nation and beyond. Because for a long time, I've been, um, I've been praying for the Spirit to bring renewal across our nation, to visit our nation. I've seen images of lots of little lights coming on across our nation. And you could say the beacons, and that's why I wrote my book called Lighting the Beacons. And about um, four years, no more than that, about four years ago, I was at a, a 24-7 prayer meeting in London, actually. Um, it's HGB, you've got a little, um, a little sort of... Uh, cabin almost in the grounds and the 24-7 prayer meeting and I met somebody so I told them about my prayer for lots of little lights coming on and she said have you ever heard of Jean Darnell's vision so I'm going to read it to you because Jean Darnell was a woman who um kind of a, um kind of a prophet I would say really who was had a, a strange experience of healing when she was a teenager and God really used her as an evangelist in Britain and America she's um and she had this vision. So what I'm going to do, I'm going to read it to you. And then I'm going to um, pray for us, because it is Pentecost. And he's able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine. And his, the gift of his spirit is for all of us. And sometimes the more broken you are, the more room there is for his spirit. And he's got... The Spirit is for everybody, to, so everybody can hear the gospel. Everybody can hear the gospel in their own language. And do you know what? I don't think he'll do it with fireworks, with big stages and big people and big bishops in their, um, in their fashion show suits from posh end shops and wherever it is. He will do it in the underground. And he will take this nation. Here we are, here's the vision, then we'll pray. Suddenly a vision appeared within my mind for the third time. I saw the British Isles glistening like a lump, clump of jade in the grey seas surrounding. Trees upon the hills and clustered clouds hid the people. Suddenly small flickering lights appeared, scattered all over the isles. The light was firelight, burning from the top of Scotland to Land's End on the tip of Cornwall. Lightning streaked downwards from the sky above me, touching down with flashing swiftness exploding each of the fires into streams of light. Like lava, they burned their fiery path downwards from the top of Scotland to Land's End. The waters did not stop them, but the fire spread across the seas to Ireland and to Europe. What is to come, Lord, I asked, wondering why he should show this to me. I will penetrate the darkness with a visitation of my power. With lightning swiftness, I will release the power of my spirit through a renewed people who have learned to be led by the Spirit. They will explode with a witness that will reach every part of the society of Britain. I am strategically placing them to touch the farms, the villages, the towns and the cities. No one will be without a witness, whether they be children in the schools, farmers in the fields, workers in the factories and docks, students in the universities and colleges, the media, the press, the arts or government. All will be profoundly moved and those who are changed by my power will alter the destiny of the nation. And the fiery streams of light, and the streams of fiery light into Europe, Lord, my mind seemed to see an army of all types of people moving into the continent with a compassionate ministry. This ministry was not mass meetings led by powerful personalities preaching to spectators but participating, caring communities involved with each other at the grassroots level, sharing the love of God everywhere. 
I saw the empty cradles of Europe, her churches, holding a new generation of Christian leaders. Let's pray. Jesus, on this Pentecost Sunday, we ask that you would send your spirit afresh on all of us. Especially those who think that they're not worthy, they don't fit, they're too broken. I pray that you will call out your underground army who are trapped, almost breathless underground. For some of you, it's almost like you've been unable to almost breathe and I pray that today, that it's almost like the opposite. You're in pole position to, be, to, be, um, to have lungs to be filled by him today. So if you think you've been counting yourself out, this is not for you. Today is almost like the day to count yourself in. He is here. He is so gentle and tender. And I pray, Jesus, that you would breathe your spirit afresh over my dear brothers and sisters. That you would fill lungs that you would warm hearts with the fire of your spirit and that this place might be a place where the fire of your spirit, where the, the gospel torch of fire goes out, not just across Blackpool, across Lancashire, but across our nation. Thank you for the favour that you have given Blackpool as a town. And the, ones, the one town in our diocese that is named on national television every single year and I pray that this might be a place where many beacons are lit from, where your wave sweeps people from the underground, scours them out, and sets us on the beach with the gifts in our hands that will renew our nation. Come, Holy Spirit. Would you let your, would your, the tide of your water rise today? that chains that have been binding ankles, almost chafing at us, would just come free. In the name of Jesus, I unbind you, especially those who are living in high levels of fear. And so that needs to go to the place that Jesus appointed. And like my mum, would you know his peace from heaven itself, that one day it will all be okay. So just pray finally for, for giants of faith here. Come, Holy Spirit. Giants of faith, that gift of faith that reaches into heaven and says, your kingdom come, your will be done. In Blackpool, in Lancashire, in the UK, in Europe, as it is in heaven.